0: If you're already there. You can open to the book of Mark. The book of Mark. And when you find Mark, you can turn to the 4th chapter. 4th chapter. okay, let's pray together Lord thank you for what you're doing in this church and in this valley and Lord, you are truly a good God and we say that every Sunday we're together and and yet Lord over the last few weeks have we've been as we've been studying the goodness of God Lord I know uh, many have been challenged to really to really ask some deep questions do I do I really Believe you are good all the time. And, and what does that really mean in the reality of life? So so this morning as we continue looking at your word, we ask through the power of the Holy Spirit that you will uh, teach us. You are the counselor, the spirit of truth. And, and then, Lord, uh, bring application. Speak to our hearts. And the Lord supernaturally empower us to obey. And in that and through that, that we would be transformed uh, more and more into the image of Jesus. So we love you, we love your word, and ask you now to accomplish your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 34.8, you don't have to turn there. I said it at the beginning of service. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Psalm 25.8, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. Psalm 100, verse 5, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Psalm 106.1. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. And finally, Psalms 119.68. You are good and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Right? All, just just over and over, maybe for some of us, uh, for the first time we're hearing that God is good scripturally and not just as a... A church cliche, God is good, God is good, and, and scripture throughout Scripture, the goodness of God. And, and we've been asking ourselves, what does that really mean? What does that really mean when I leave here that God is good, that God is good? And you know, one of the things that, that I've been uh, learning about myself and, and, and just in reflection on the church and, and working with people for over 20 years is that we often will affirm God's sovereignty God is all-powerful, right? God is all-knowing. God is all-present, right? These really big attributes of God, we, we studied them this summer. And yet, a link that's been missing for many of us, I think to even personalize these wonderful attributes that we affirm in our head, is we've never linked them to God's goodness. God's goodness. You know... Uh, my family and I, we, we like to watch movies. And, and there's this common theme in action-adventure movies, right, when there's a, a good guy and a bad guy. Yeah, generally, one of the common themes is there's this evil character. And this evil character oftentimes wants to get a hold of some weapon of mass destruction, right? Some powerful thing that can destroy the world, right? And so the whole movie is about this evil guy trying to get this powerful weapon and all the good guys trying to prevent him, right? And, and so we get used to this idea that, oh, no, oh, no, bad guy can't get powerful weapon because bad guy's going to do bad things, right? And so we cheer for the good guy. To stop the bad guy, right? How many of us, right? So we see this bad guy should not have powerful weapons. How many of us now flip it and said, all-powerful God is a good guy. And we make that link between the goodness of God and His power. And His ability to do whatever He wants for the good? Wait, for my good? What does that mean? To, to, to spend the necessary time to link the goodness of God with all His other attributes. If you'll take the time, I think that, that you'll really be challenged in many ways. Because we saw how many of us, we saw in the fall that the devil came and really was saying to Eve, is God really that good, Eve? And he got Eve to doubt God's goodness. And when she began to doubt God's goodness, suddenly there was an open door for her to what? Take control. Act independently of God. Right? In your notes there, we looked at this quote, very powerful quote. When I am not convinced... That God is good, I will quietly, but with tight-lipped resolve, take over responsibility for my own well-being. When I am not convinced that God is good, I will quietly, but with tight-lipped resolve, take over responsibility for my own well-being. That's a guy, uh, Larry Crabb. And, uh, and, And Bill reminded me of this progression we've talked about for five years. We all have beliefs. Beliefs. Some of you are very overt and you're very aware of them. Some of your beliefs you're not even aware of. Your beliefs lead to thoughts. Your thoughts create emotions. Your emotions ultimately are, are revealed in the, how you live your life. It's like skydiving. Right? Bill believes skydiving is safe. That it's fun and enjoyable to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. So in his mind, this is going to be fun, no problem, I'm going to survive. Those are his thoughts. His emotions are positive. He looks forward to it. He embraces it. His actions, he jumps. Right? Tyler thinks Bill's crazy. Tyler believes it is the nuttiest, silliest thing to jump out of a perfectly good airplane with a piece of clothing strapped to your back. And hope that it opens correctly. So Tyler has this belief. Thoughts of death, injury, right? No fun. This how is this fun? Very different emotions. Fear? Right? Just very how does that manifest how does his belief manifest? He's not gonna jump. You couldn't pay him to jump. No way is that gonna happen. So that's an illustration of the power of your belief. Now, some people want to live out and we're going to to change Tyler's actions. Come on, Tyler. And we're going to try all these ways to manipulate, coerce, threaten, right? To change his his outward actions. This is where a lot of us live, even in, in Christendom. You try to change your outward actions when the truth is, You've got to change the belief. You see, you, you can talk to Tyler and offer him all kinds of stuff to try to coerce him at the actions level. But fundamentally, if he doesn't change his belief about skydiving, nothing's going to change here. And so when it comes to your relationship with the Lord, you've got to ask yourself, what do I really believe? And sometimes the struggles in your life and in my life, quite honestly, we get caught up trying to correct our behavior. Bad Richie, bad Richie, bad Richie. How can you do that? How could you do that again? How could you do that again? And we get so mad at ourselves and we make all these resolutions and we beat ourselves up and we feel, oh, I'm so horrible, I'm so horrible. When the truth is, we need to ask ourselves, well, Richie, you're doing that because your beliefs are not right. You really don't believe what you're saying you believe. In fact, what you're saying, you believe, what you really believe is really being manifested. And so, we have to really be, be, be cognizant of the fact that our, our beliefs are revealed way over there. Even about the goodness of God. Now, I'm not saying you don't believe He's good. What I am saying is, how convinced are you? On a scale of 1 to 10 with, ah, I don't believe God's good at all. That's a 1. To 10 is like, I'm solid. God is good all the time. All the time God is good. It's simple. Right, Wes? Yeah, right? Wes is Mr. Simple. I'm guessing a lot of us are somewhere here. Okay. There's a lot of verses in Scripture. And I believe God's Word. Okay. Is He really good? I know he's got to be good, but is he good all the time? But i got this situation in my life right now. And so it's not that we're a one, and it's not even that we're a ten. Most of us, at this level, we have to say, where am I? With God's goodness. I'm not saying you're not saved. What I'm saying is, how convinced are you of God's goodness? Because there's a correlation here to whatever number you land at, your trust, your faith, ultimately your obedience. Ultimately your obedience, right? Let's look at this story in Mark 4, verse 35. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, this is Jesus." He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He says, it, he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. All right, verse 35 again. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him, right? So Sea of Galilee, Jesus finishes talking, says, hey, hey, boys, let's go. We're going to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, okay? Sea of Galilee, pretty big, and it's surrounded by mountains. And what happens is the winds come down off the mountains. And when that happens, it, you might as well be on the ocean. The storms are that huge, okay? That's what happens here, all right? Verse 37. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? So there's this storm. And these are fishermen, so this must have been something big. All right? Something really big going on, going on. We don't know for how long. They're scared. They're terrified. This is now life-threatening. So they go back, and what's Jesus doing? Sleeping. And look what it says. Verse 38. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, a couple things. In verse 35, it says, Then the day, that day when evening came, he, who's he? Jesus says to the disciples, let us go over to the other side. Whose idea was it to go to the other side? Whose? And what did he say? That we're going to go to the other side. So they obeyed. They said, okay. And in the midst of obedience, a storm came up. When you choose to follow Jesus and obey and do what's right, there may be a storm as a result. Let me repeat that. Jesus is the one that said, hey, let's go to the other side. And, but he didn't say, and it's going to be smooth sailing. He just said, let's go to the other side. Obediently and by faith and trust, they all said, okay. they start going. In the midst of doing what was right, obedience, there was a storm. In our lives, as we follow Jesus, in faith and obedience, as a direct result of following Jesus, there will be storms. A lot of times we might have come to faith thinking we're going to come to Jesus and all the storms are going to go away. When the truth is, follow Jesus, you're going to right in the middle of them. You're going right in the middle of them. Here's a couple of verses. 2 Timothy 3.12 In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Okay, survey says, how many in here want to live a godly life? And keep your hand up. According to 2 Timothy 3.12, who will be persecuted? The storm's coming. Right? Isn't the the most right thing we could do is to live a godly life? And according to those verses, doing the right thing, living a godly life, you're going to have a storm. And it's called persecution. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 5.11, Blessed are you when people, okay, insult you. Persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Woohoo!
1: Yeah, Jesus!
0: I want to be insulted. I want to be persecuted, and I would love to have people say it falsely all kinds of things about me in the Ohio Valley. That's part of it. So when Jesus says, follow me, expect the storms. Because you know what? Little, little, little secret. The storms many times indicate that you're right where you need to be. The storms, the persecution, is a wonderful sign that you're really following Jesus and the world sees it. Why else would they be persecuting you? If you profess to be a Christian and you're acting like the world, talking like the world, and nothing has changed, the world's not going to bother you. But if you want to be salt and light, and you want to be obedient and a disciple of Jesus, the storms are going to come. It says it right there, Second Timothy, Matthew 5. So Jesus said, hey, let's go to the other side. Storm comes, and look what they said. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? What didn't they say? Teacher, are you able to do something about this? It was not an issue of ability. They had seen Jesus heal a paralytic in in the second chapter. They were aware of his power. They didn't say, Jesus, Jesus, can you do something about this? Are you you able to handle this storm? They didn't ask that. Look what they actually accused him of. Look at this, because you and I do it all the time. Teacher, don't you care? If we drown, it's an accusation of him being distant, not, not being concerned. He's sleeping for crying out loud. He's sleeping. How many of you in the storm of life have actually said, Lord, wake up? Uh, hello? Anybody home up there? Don't you care? Don't you see? Don't you hear what they say about me? Don't you see my bank account? Don't you see? Don't you see? What do we? We're saying we're we're them. Now, just to put you in good company, this, the Psalm writer said the same thing. Here, just to let you know. Psalm ten one. Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Anyone? Psalm forty four, verse twenty three and twenty four. Awake, O Lord. Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? Anyone? What were they challenging at the core? God's goodness. When we say to God, don't you care? Where are you? How can you possibly be sleeping? At the root? We're being challenged in our belief about His goodness. Are you good, God? Are you really good? It's a challenge of His goodness. It's a challenge of His goodness. See, this is what I'm saying. We, we affirm his, his, his ability, His power. He's all-powerful. Nothing is too difficult for me. We got that. But hey, Mr. All-Powerful, are you good enough to care about me? Little old me? You see, that, you see how we had the disconnect? God is all powerful. He's creator. He can handle everything, the whole universe. But does he care about little old me and Ohio? Does he really care? Is he too busy for me? Does his goodness extend to me? Oh, Doris has lots of goodness coming this side of the room, right? Right there. Goodness, goodness right there. Right? This side of the room. Hmm, right? I mean, right? Right? We have these weird goodness meters. Oh, they're getting blessed. God must really be good to them. But me? Me? I don't even know if he cares. I don't even know if he's awake. You know? Can you imagine the disciples? Hey, go find Jesus. He healed that guy in a little while ago. We saw him heal that paralytic. He's got this. Where's Jesus? Dudes! He's asleep! What?! he be asleep. Doesn't He care about us? Doesn't He care? Well, He had told them, let's go to the other side. Jesus knew they were getting to the other side. He cares. Do you believe it? Do you really believe that the God of the universe, all-powerful, all-knowing, all present, nothing too difficult for Him to handle, do you really believe in His goodness for you? For you. You, 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 you. That's radical. It is a radical thought that the God of the universe, His goodness, His nature, and His predisposition to want your best there 24-7 for you, for you, for you, for you, for you. God's goodness. This is His nature. Out of His nature, out of His essence of good, comes His desire for goodness towards His children. It never ceases. It never ceases. And this is where, if you'll take the time to really think about God's goodness as applied to you personally... I had I was challenged this week is I was like Lord have, make this real for me. He goes, "Okay, here. So I'm thinking through this through this whole series and goes, think of the worst case scenario you can possibly imagine in your life right now. And I'm so okay. You know, tragedy, some sort of tragedy, right? He goes, "Now, I want you to I want you to take that tragedy and how you would respond to it in the human level, which is human. But now I want you to understand that even in the midst of that excruciating tragedy that you're so afraid of that my goodness is always going to be coming at you. That my goodness is always going to be there. I'm going to still be wanting the good. I'm just going to work it for the good. My goodness didn't cease in the midst of that. And you know what happened? I suddenly started to focus on His goodness rather than the fear. Rather than the anxiety. Rather than the worry. Because His goodness undergirds no matter what happens in my life. Amen? Amen. It never ceases. God is good. And all the time. Do you know what that means? The goodness of God, our good God, is giving you His goodness. It's like I get this picture of like this pulse. Good, 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 good. It's always coming at you. It's always coming at you. Even in the midst of the worst-case tragedy you can imagine in the humans, it's still coming at you. Good. 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 See, that is that. That is transformative. And for me, it's transformative. You know why? Because things happened in my life growing up where it became me against the world. Me against the world. And every person... of the people that I would come up against were against me, were a hindrance, were an obstacle, were something that was keeping me from getting something. So I had to defeat them. And then there were a lot of bad people in the world. So everything in my life was me against the world. It was just competition. It was just attack, 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 or defense, defense. So I grew up very aggressive because it was a bad world. And there were bad people. And I had to conquer. And I had to succeed. And I had to overcome all the badness. And then God teaches me, good, good, good. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You mean it's not about me conquering and striving and squashing people? It's about me resting in the goodness of God that's coming to me continually and that I don't have to live my life in fear and anxiety of worst case scenario because even in the worst, worst scenario that I could even imagine that creates the most anxiety and fear in me and most anger in me most rage in me good 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 and in His goodness He brings His power in His goodness He brings His presence in his goodness he brings his provision all to bear. How many of us would just want to walk through the Garden of Eden with a good God? We're just tired. We're just flat out. Many of us are just exhausted because we have decided that it's us against a bad world. And we affirm the good we affirm God's Presence, we affirm his creation, but he's somewhere out there, asleep. And so, if he's sleeping, I'll take it. I'll, I got it, God. I won't. Even, let's not bother him. Don't wake him. He'll be mad, huh? Don't wake him. He'll get mad. Good. 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 All the. See when it says he is good He is the essence of good He's the essence of good It's not just that he does good things He's the essence Anything on this planet Any good you see in a person Or a sunset Or anything that you would consider good It's sourced back to him He is good The concept of good is God That is what He's exuding to you and me all the time. Right? We often say God is for us. He is. What does that mean? Good. 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 If you've been battling the world, you against the world, and by golly, if I'm going down, I'm taking as many as I can with me. And they're going to be as miserable as I've been. And I'm going to let them know too. If you've been caught up in fear and anxiety and rage, maybe it's because you've not been allowing good, good, good. We've not linked all of these attributes to the underlying one that links them all. It's goodness. It's goodness. I think uh, my sister. A very real life prayer request for surgery. Right? Good. 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 Okay, God, don't go to sleep when they put me under. <laughs> You're going to stay awake, God? Are you going to stay awake? Because I'm going to sleep. Don't fall asleep on me, God. Right? See, that's real. Good. Good. See, how does how, that change all of a sudden? Good. Yeah, right? All of a sudden we start hearing God's goodness in whatever we're facing. Good. 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 Don't you care? Right? And, and look what he says. Look what he says there. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? It's really a, a challenge. What are you talking about? What do you mean? I don't care. You don't have faith in that? I care about you. You don't have faith? I care about you. That I'm concerned. That I'm compassionate. Come on, guys. Come on. You know it's a, it's an issue of His goodness, and and I love this. There's a, there's a wonderful verse. Turn to Hebrews thirteen five. And I love God's word because there's a direct answer. to their their fear in here. And a direct answer for those of us who deal with the same fears and anxieties about God's goodness and His care. Hebrews 13.5 Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. If you are comfortable writing in your Bibles, you may want to underline, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, right? That word never, okay, we're going to get a little bit grammatical here, but you've got to understand it. It's called a double negative. It's a double negative. What it really means is, I will never, never, never leave you. That's the emphasis in the original language. I will never, never, never leave you. And you know that word leave? You know what that alludes to? There's a word picture. Think about what we, the story we just read. Don't you care? Right? You know what that word leave means? It says to let sink. He is not going to leave us, fail to uphold us, or let us. I will in no way let you go. I will not relax my hold on you, Scotty. This is the word picture. I'm just going to pretend that I'm him. But you stay there. This is what it means. Go down there, right there, face me. This is it. That word picture. I will never let you sink. I will never. Relax my grip. We've all been there. Don't you care? Lord, don't you let go of me. (laughs) Don't you let go of me. And when it says, I will never, never, never let you sink, what he's saying is, I will never relax my grip. You're not going under. The disciples are afraid. They're terrified. Don't you care? I will never, never, never relax my grip. You're not going to sink. You're not going to sink. And then he says this, right? Never will I forsake you. You know what that means? It means to abandon or desert, to let one down when you're in a state of helplessness. It means when you are terrified and you're at the end of your rope, when He says, I'm not going to forsake you, He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to desert you. Well, later, do your best. Hang in there. No. I got you. I'm not going anywhere. And here's the great thing. And neither are you if you'll stay by faith with me. Don't you care? I will never, never, never relax my grip on you. You're not going to sink. And in your greatest state of helplessness and despair, I will never abandon you. A lot of us have been abandoned. A lot of us put our faith and trust in human beings. And maybe, maybe you've been betrayed and let down so many times that even without knowing it, on your belief scale, the pain and the hurt of betrayal and abandonment at the human level, even without knowing it, has affected where you land in your confidence of God's goodness. Maybe you were abandoned and betrayed and people let you sink, and that's carried over to your view of God's goodness. It's not that you don't love them; you just have a really hard time believing that someone could be that good towards you. That's why you get, we got to—we got to—we're going to camp here. We're going to camp here. God's goodness—don't you care? Oh, I care. I care so much more about you than you'll ever <laughs> be able to grasp. I will never, never, never let go of you. You're not gonna sink. And in your greatest state of helplessness, I will never abandon you. That's God's goodness in real world terms. Okay? And we close with this. Turn to first Peter five. What are we supposed to do then? Hebrews, James, first Peter chapter 5. Here's what we do. And we're going to spend more time next week. Here's what we do. First Peter 5 verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, there's His power, that He may lift you up in due time. Here we go. Cast all your anxiety on Him. Because what? He cares. Don't you care? What is 1 Peter 5, 7? He cares. On the authority of God's Word, He cares. For who? For you. Okay, now here's where it gets real practical, guys. And here's where you you have to take this and, and, and choose, make some choices. That word cast means to throw. The same word that they used in Luke when they threw the blanket over the colt, right? They threw a blanket over so Jesus could write it. First Peter 5, 6 and 7 says, hey, in light of God's goodness, because He cares for you, cast all your anxiety on Him. Hmm. See, a lot of us, this is what we do with all of our anxiety Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm just going to do this. Ah, yeah. And I'm kind of used to this. All those worries. All those anxieties. All those fears. All those burdens. Yeah, I've carried them so long. They're like an old sweater. I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable. You know what God's goodness allows you to do? And in fact, we're commanded to do. (laughs) Look at that. Cast. All your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Here's the command. In light of His care and goodness, throw. Throw it all on Him. Hmm. That's where it gets real. That's where it gets real. That's where we're challenged. If you're struggling with this, then you've got to go back to your beliefs. Remember? All the way back. If you're struggling with the action of throwing, ask yourself, well, then what do I really believe about His goodness? What needs to change? What do I need to memorize? What do I need to meditate on? What do I really need to grasp at the belief level so that I'm able to throw? Don't beat yourself up right now for not being able to throw. Ask yourself, what do I really believe? about God's goodness. And as you settle that belief, and as your belief becomes in line with the Bible, you know what happens to the throwing? It happens. Little by little, more and more, you're going to start casting your cares upon Him as your belief in His goodness goes up. Amen? That's what happens. When the Word of God goes from here to here, it becomes real here in our life. Here, here, to here. That's what we're talking about. And as we prepare for communion, we're always reminded of His goodness. Romans eight thirty one and 32. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? You know what the starting point of developing a solid belief in God's goodness? Right there. The cross. If you're like, man, I, I really want to develop, I really want to grow, I really want to have the conviction that God is good all the time, start at cross. Start at the grace of Jesus Christ. Start at the salvation. He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? If you're doubting God's care, if you're doubting God's goodness, go back to the cross and say, Are you serious? While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me? Are you serious? You demonstrated your goodness when I was yet a sinner? Yeah. And you responded to that goodness. He's not going anywhere. You're his son. You're his daughter. He will never, never, never let you sink. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness. Oh, such a challenging week, even for me to to try to make this real realizing that I had developed such an angry worldview, me against the world, because there was so much badness. And it was up to me because apparently you were asleep and didn't care. And Lord, I even confessed that I was angry at you and decided I didn't need you either. But in your grace, You sent Your Son and and humbled me. In Your grace, You've shown me that, you know, You are good all the time. And I don't need to be fighting the world. I don't need to be so angry. I don't need to be so competitive. I don't need to be just raging at all the badness. What I really need to do is focus on Your goodness and let Your goodness transform my heart and my attitude towards You, towards people, towards the world. And so, Lord, as we uh, once again prepare for communion, would you search our hearts? What do we really believe about your goodness for us personally? Maybe, maybe quite honestly, we're in a storm this morning and we're like the disciples and, and we're, we're accusing you of not caring. We're angry at you because we think you're asleep. You don't care, you're distant. And then we heard from Hebrews 13, 5, 6 that no, you will never, never, never let us sink. You'll never relax your grip. You're that good all the time. So, Father, would you forgive us this morning for accusing you of lacking the goodness that you really have. Would you enable us to trust you and your goodness in the storm? In the storm. We know you're all powerful, but we want to know that you're all good all the time. So we're going to take this time of uh, communion again just when you're ready. The cups will be at the front and you can take your time in prayer and reflection with the Lord and come up and get the cups and Go ahead, go back to your seats and take communion when you're ready on your own. Use this as a time. Romans 8.32 says, Hey, if you sent Jesus, the ultimate good act, He's going to give you everything you need and His goodness. If you've never put your faith in Christ, if you've never responded to God's act of graciousness and goodness in sending Jesus as a Savior of the world this morning, just say, Lord Jesus, I put my faith in You. I believe You died for me. God, thank You for Your goodness and grace in sending Jesus. And in the best way I know how this morning, I put my faith in Jesus alone for salvation. Thank You, Jesus, for dying for me. And we take this cup this morning in remembrance of what You did at the cross, Jesus. But we also do it today, Lord, in remembrance of Your goodness, all the time.